This is Stories from the C-Suite. Each week we bring you the stories of successful people about how they begin their career, where do they come from, what's important to them, what's in their heart. I think you'll really enjoy it. My name is Tom Coates and I will be your guide. This week we get to chat with a really interesting fellow. He's an author, he's a speaker, his name is Greg LeMasters. Now, I was first introduced to him by our good friend, Mark Wolf. And Greg, Craig comes from corporate America, but about four years ago, he stepped down from that and opened up his own shingle. And it's about helping professionals and companies get unstuck. We had a wonderful discussion on that. I think you'll really enjoy it. And he's just a class guy. But first... If you are a business owner or you work with one, then you know one of their big worries, the big monsters that they face every year is called insurance. Well, I have a friend named Dave Tobin. He has a plan on how to handle that monster, how to avoid paying that extra premium increase every year. Matter of fact, some of his clients actually get a significant check back. His website is look2insight.com. That's look numeral two insight.com and let him help you with that insurance monster. So you've been doing, um, been after this for three years, helping C-suiters get unstuck and the passion that you have there. So, so what was the revelation after three years? Yeah, I think, I think Tom, having, having been at this for three years, what hit me was that, the things that worked for me that again, I was fortunate enough to find while I was CEO. I didn't know if it's just me and my organization, but we've been able to work across gosh, 12 industries, over a hundred different types of stuckness, if that's a word. Yeah. Um, and so we've been able to do it so broad and it works and we get people to that next stage of usually growth that they've really struggled on. And, and what I found, and again, it's why I'm doing this body of work is that, um, it, it materially, um, moves the needle, as I like to say, for leaders. It changes the trajectory of leaders. It changes the trajectory of the organization. And quite frankly, can bring some joy back to the work. Yeah. Which is really what's important to me. Well, the way I define stuck. Yeah. And I, I'm anxious to hear how, how it fits into to your, your um, model. Yeah. Is, is I define stuck as, as well, to use an example of my father, opened up a business. He took over my, actually took over my grandfather's business in South Mississippi. And dad was really good at what he did, but not good at business. Mm. And so he was all excited about, he was passionate about what he did. He made good choices, used good common sense. But at some point, that passion and common sense, that hard work, and common sense got to a plateau. Yeah. And then I define that as being stuck. Yeah. When when you've when you've gone to the limits of your hard work and your 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 um your passion, yeah. Then that's when you get stuck. And that's when you need some outside knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're super consistent on it. That's why I was so excited about chatting with you. Most people are it takes a while to help them understand 
how I think about stuck and then correspondingly unstuck. So you have a huge advantage because you've been Perfect. you've been talking about and working on the same concept. The only thing I would add to that is that and this I just use terms that were important to me. So I felt yeah. like as a leader, I got stuck. Most leaders have trouble saying that word because we're not supposed to get stuck and got right. egos and all that good stuff. But I got stuck on really hard stuff. And so what I got intrigued by, and you've done some of this with your dad's example, is, is why does that happen, right? So a lot of stuff I wasn't stuck on. And so here's a little bit subtle difference in mine is what I found after sort of debriefing my own scenario and now with – dozens of um, industries we've worked with and hundreds of leaders, what I found was that the stuck part tends to happen. The inflection point is when we go from our core, right? Everyone's got a core in their business, something we're just super good at. And we move from that core and it doesn't even have to be that dramatic, Mm -hmm. but as we start to move away from the core is when the whole stuck thing happens. And so I created a really simple formula that we built really our whole company around and I call it our wisdom formula. And again, you've already used some of these words, but I define wisdom very specifically as it's this unique combination of both knowledge and experience yes and it has to be both and you gotta screw them together so i use you see in our work everywhere you see w equals k times e w equals k times e i mean i can't talk about it enough because if you break down the scenarios where people are stuck what i found over the last three or four years and really going back six years when i started using this in my own company is move away from the core Well, guess what happens? K and E, knowledge and experience, and here's the punchline. They don't just incrementally fall off. They tend to dramatically fall off. And this is a hard thing for us to kind of accept if we don't, if we're not aware of it. I mean, if I'm in the coffee cup business, I Mm -hmm. love my coffee, and I want to go into the, let me find something else, the cell phone business, right? This is my core. This is the new stuff. Yes right? Guess what? My knowledge and experience on that new stuff drops off exponentially. And that's when we get stuck. Uh, So that's sort of my definition, Tom. And then I created this buns, what I call circle of stuck, because people started asking me like, okay, I'm behind that definition, but how do I know if I'm stuck? And, And I thought it was a cool question. And so I started thinking about that. I said, well, one of the ways you know is that you're not getting the results, right? If, if, if you have a destination and you're not getting there, and usually you can look at people if they're public, you can look at their financials and they're doing a lot of activity. But, and, and then folks started asking like, well, but be more specific. Like, are there, other, are there other symptoms? So I got intrigued by this. So we built this fun little circle of stock, which, and, and let me play it for you real quick because see if this resonates with you. But yeah. what I found was when we go to new stuff, What's the first thing everybody does, right? We have a meeting. We get everybody internally that matters together and we have a meeting, great meeting, lots of takeaways, and we do an email summary of the meeting, 
right? Pretty standard stuff. We all did it. I did it. You probably do it. Your clients do it. Um, and then we do a, an interesting thing where usually it doesn't move forward a lot. So we have the next meeting. And then what happens, and this is a real important subtlety, is the email list grows, particularly the BCC, right? You're familiar with the whole BCC concept. Yeah, so we yeah. start blind copying people. And if you look at it, the list starts swelling, right? And I actually had a CEO inter interrupt me the other day and say, I've got a record for you. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, I have, a, I have an email right now on a new topic, and we have 347 people carbon copied on it. And I'm like, he's like, you don't have to go any further. I think my organization is stuck. And I said, yeah, you do, because the psychology of why we do that is these are hard topics, and we don't have the knowledge and experience. Mm -hmm. So by getting the group bigger, we think it's better, and we think yeah. it's helpful. And, we, and guess what? You're just including more people that don't have the knowledge and experience. So we go from the second meeting, then we bring in like think tank people and ideators and design Perfect. thinkers. Mm -hmm. And then the big whammy, which is what I did. And again, this is just my story. Um, then we get around here. We're still stuck. Good ideas. Nothing wrong with that. Good. And then we bring in the high-paid consultants. We spend, in my case, millions of dollars, get a 350-page deck, super interesting information. A lot of knowledge, yeah. but guess what? I'm still stuck. And so I'm back to the top of the circle and guess what I do next? It's like, let's take all this other, all this stuff we've accumulated and do what? We're going to have a meeting and we, right. start, and we start the circle over again. So the question I started struggling with was, okay, I get it. And people, this resonated with people. How do you break that cycle? How do you break the circle of stuck? And what I found, Tom, my business model is super simple. The only effective way to do it in without with with real-time constraints the if, most effective way to do it is to interject wisdom into that circle that i just described wisdom that truly has knowledge and experience on that specific topic and it shatters the circle of stock if you facilitate it in a way that's effective which is really all we try to do. I mean, it's not our ideas. It's just the way we do it. Um, it shatters the circle of stock. And what's fun for me, back to that heart, you know, leadership is hard and we're sitting there when we're stuck and is to watch leaders in these meetings and we do these really wacky format in our meetings, but watch them go, wow, there's hope here. We can get unstuck and we can actually do this pretty quickly. And the reason is super simple. We now have the wise person in the room, or usually we have three or we four skill set. That, are, that are just operators or people that have done it. They're not consultants. They're not advisors. Right. People that have done stuff. And if you think about it, and I think this will resonate with you, you know, studying history and stuff, that this is, this is just a throwback to how we were supposed to learn. I mean, yes. if you track traditional or biblical history, either one, it all collides around. It was the wise people teaching the not so wise people. And it was usually either one-on-one -on -one or in very small groups. Mm -hmm. so that's what we do. Even when we work with big companies, I mean, Fortune 10 companies that you would recognize, it's still, we do it in a very small group, right? We don't have to make a big deal out of it. We don't want any fame or fortune out of this. What we want to do is help you quickly get the wisdom and you're going to get unstuck. Yeah. And for me, it's I, the only way to shatter that circle, Tom. That's I love that. It is so elegant and so straightforward. I do have a question. Yeah. Do you find that that is a generational um, marker? Because the Gen X and the boomers, yeah. the traditional business, 
-hmm. that when we when we went to business and we had a client we wanted to be the answer to all things for that client so when the client had an additional need we would leave our core and add that additional service and as we continue to add more and more services if you can see my hands they go further and further <laughs> apart because yeah. we're getting further and further away from our core and right. we're thinking that we got a good grip around our client because we're handling all of their needs but what we're doing is on the peripheral side of further out from our core the 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 downgrade of our service model and we lose that client based on something that is not part of our core but we've lost everything because we've gotten away from what we know to do. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's right. And, um, and all I've tried to do is bring some hope to that equation because the reality is to sustain profitable growth over time, we have to get out of our core. Let's just get over that. I mean, there's no business model that I can think of or run across or studied that is the same as it was X period before. It's just a yeah. fact. So to me, the only question as leaders we should be grappling with is how do we acquire the wisdom quickly mm -hmm. to be effective in the new stuff? That's all. I mean, we overcomplicate this, Tom. I mean, one of my favorite topics, I call it the strategy trap in one of the talks that I do. I mean, we get so wound up at strategy and all this stuff. It's like, come on, just pick one. There's a million good strategies. That's not the issue. The issue is, do we have the wisdom to go conquer that? And, 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 and the key word I would use on your example is, and, and to me, it crosses all generations because it's timeless. And I have a, a pretty good section in the book on it because it's just near and dear to my heart, which is humility. Mm. It is the first step in the most important step of the process that I've used around this wisdom-based learning that has to be there. It's, it's an imperative. And I, what I have seen the last three years has actually been quite encouraging that once people understand how to use the wisdom and how to leverage it and that it's not about I'm a bad person. It's not that I'm not smart. It's not that I'm not trying. Yeah. It's just, we all have a swim lane of knowledge and experience. Let's just yeah. get over that. So I've been super encouraged that once people understand that I'm not, and we're not here to embarrass you. I mean, some of the traditional consulting stuff can get pretty brutal because it tends to make you look bad and, and I don't want to make anybody look bad. I want to very discreetly, help leaders acquire this wisdom that can help them make better choices that's all this is about and it's fun because when that light bulb goes off and I can see the shift in a leader going oh well yeah if that's how you define humility I can absolutely use that help I'm not admitting defeat I'm not admitting I'm not smart all those things it's about got my swim lane I need to acquire a new swim lane of, of wisdom that's all yeah. That's it. I love it because you define, uh, I've been on this kick lately sharing this tidbit because I've read yeah. it in a book recently on negotiation. And, and, I okay. was telling, and I was telling them that I wish that I had realized this so much earlier than when I actually did. But what you just define, what you do with your clients is your client acknowledges, oh, that's a, that makes sense. That's a good idea. They don't say, Craig, you're right. Yeah. Because if they say you, 
the consultants right, then you have failed. Right. Right. But when, when they admit that, hey, that's right, yeah, then they start working how they they can implement that. I know I love that example and and you know, and one of the things that, that we, we tend to use different formats, but my favorite probably is we do these very small advisory boards with, again, these are operators, these wise people that we find. And, mm-hmm. and, and my favorite ex- example where I see that emerge, Tom, is that the tension comes down after the first few hours of these facilitated conversations because the leaders in the company realize the only reason these people are here is to give unbiased help. Mm. Not looking for jobs. They're not looking for any recognition. Nobody will even really know they've been here. We're not taking this to the board of directors or to shareholders to say, Oh wow, look at what, you know, these GXG people did or these wisdom people. This is their work. And again, this goes back to the history of education. This is how it was supposed to happen, yeah. where these discreet, wise people were just there to teach you, and then you go do with it what you need to do. I'm not going to ultimately make the choice for leader. And again, I define leadership, just to be clear, super simply. Um, a million definitions of leadership, and I think a lot of them are pretty good, but I think there's only one definition that, that matters for me. And I think everything else that a leader does is a distant second. And I think leaders get paid to make choices. Hmm. Okay, so the only question for me is how do we make better, more efficient, quality choices faster as a leader? Okay. And so that's the linkage back to this wisdom form. I don't know. I can't find any other way to do it than the wisdom methodology that we're using. And now I've seen it in action for three years. And it's fun. If you ever get super bored and jump on our website and look at some of these, we share all of our case studies, very transparent. Um, and, and I just want people to see that if you have the humility to actually listen and go through that process, how quickly you can get on the other side of stuck is, is shocking. I mean, it can be, it can be one meeting, it can be a couple meetings, it can be a couple of conversations. It can take longer, but you know what it's not? It's not what traditional education is made us think it is, right? You got to go to four years of college, two years of graduate school. My wife's a doctor. I think she went to school for like 70 years. I can't remember. It felt <laughs> like it. But why do we do that? We've conditioned everybody that, and then you go to executive learning, and everything in executive learning, traditional learning, just takes forever. It's good stuff, mm-hmm. but it takes forever. I mean, you do, you know, two-year coaching engagements. You go to, you know, weeks longs of classes. MBAs take a long time. All great stuff. I'm not anti any of that. But leaders have to make choices pretty quickly now. And there's no other way to do it than just this very customized wisdom sharing. And it can go so fast. And that's, again, when people ask me, like, why would you possibly do this post-public company life? You know, you can do, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I do it because I sat in a chair and it was super hard. And I didn't have anybody bringing me out of this idea until I bumped into it. And it's like, wow. I'm trying to do stuff that I don't know how to do. I mean, I'll give you one quick example. We had expanded globally for years. I mean, done great. I go to China, three years into China. I'm losing money like crazy. I can't make anything work. It's super hard. Why is that? Guess what? The knowledge and experience it takes to do business there was way beyond what me and my team had, Mm -hmm. right? We had a, we put together, we call them learning ecosystems. We had five people that we found 
that this is where GXG actually started here. It was five people we found that had 125 years experience in Gaia, knowledge and experience off the chart. And in basically three months of facilitated conversations with these folks, our wisdom on China went through the roof. Guess what happened? The choices we made became awesome, right? Because we learned this stuff so quickly. And, and again, it's not esoteric academia, which is good. That's fun. It's helpful. It was, by the way, Craig, don't talk to that regulator. Talk to this one right? In your business model, you need to partner with these people, not those. I mean, and you can only do that with, with knowledge and experience. It's just yeah. wisdom. It's That's called it. RW. I'm sorry? It's called RW. Yep. Real world. Real world. I love that. I love the RW. It is. I mean, and again, it's not that you do one without the other. Sometimes people misinterpret me. I'm mm -hmm. not anti-consultant. I'm not anti-education. I actually use them both, like them, but as you move up in an organization and you've got to make these really hard choices, faster, better, I just haven't found anything that, that, that works like this. And the cool thing is, Tom, that, that um, somebody asked me the other day about, you know, you're scaling GXG and it's growing so fast. You're like, are you going to like, is you know, what's the limiting factor? And I said, well, technically there isn't any, because what's cool is I believe that, the volume of wisdom out there is almost unlimited on oh, any topic. Yes, I would and agree. I believe everybody has it. You've got it. I mean, I look at your background. You've got your swim lanes of knowledge and experience. I have mine. Yeah. I don't care what age you are. It doesn't matter to me. Um, everybody's got some. And if you ask them in the right way, and we make it easy for people, we make it um, a, a fun experience. I think people wanna help. And it's given us great joy as an organization to see our network just explode with people that experience this. And nothing makes you feel better if I'm sitting at the table helping somebody else get unstuck. Boy, I wanna do that again. And it just grows and grows. It is so incredibly rewarding. And what I found years ago that when you help other people achieve your success is written in the stars. Yeah, I think it, I think that's right. It, it's a, that's a great perspective, Tom. And um, I'm a big fan of the research around this thing called reciprocity and yeah. it's super real. I mean, we see it in our network. Now, if we have somebody that's on a board for us helping people get unstuck, what they end up saying is, they're going to meet three or four people that want to help them. And then before you know it, they've each told a couple other people how this all works. And that one meeting may have turned into 15 new relationships in our little world of GXG. And it's so much fun because everybody's getting stuff out of it. And then it almost becomes a competition to see who can help each other more. And it's, it's so let me, let me ask a couple of follow-up questions. You're, yeah. you're, you're, um, these boards that you put together, are they unique per client? Yeah, they're very, uh, they're completely customized. They and, would have to be. Um, and yeah, so my process, I, again, I don't, I don't need to scale a uh, bucket shop of, of just the same stuff. So, uh, I, and again, I use super simple terms. I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I would never be a good consultant, I guess, because I just, I'm an operator. So for me, 
I call it A to B. If we work very hard to make sure companies understand B being their destination, what is the thing you're stuck on? What does the destination look like? And then we work backwards. Once I understand what B is, we actually build this really cool ecosystem. We call mm -hmm. it a learning ecosystem. And all it is, if you picture an ecosystem, these bubble, the first level of bubbles are just, what are, what are the pieces of knowledge and wisdom that you need to have? to go to get to be yes. a simple exercise. And then we, we just sort of help them. We'd call it a probability exercise of, you know, what's the probability of success with the wisdom in the company today. And it's a lot of fun because people tend to be super candid with us and it's, we do it real fast. It's off the cuff. I like to use whiteboards and flip charts. I don't like PowerPoint. And so we just run through it on whiteboards. And what's shocking is, most people when we finish that realize they have usually less than a 60% chance of getting to be with the wisdom they have in the organization. Yeah. And it's kind of eye opening. And so we go then build to answer your question. So the advisory board work we do then is built based on those bubbles, right? Mm -hmm. These are, these are not like little Yodas, you know, little all knowing wisdom people. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I don't think, right, I mean, no. maybe a few, but, but, but it's not that it's, it's saying, Hey, if you're trying to do digital transformation, there's usually three parts of digital that people really get stuck on. Well, those are the people that are going to sit at your table to get you unstuck. I don't want to get somebody that knows something else in digital. I want mm -hmm. those three people. So quite frankly, our practice, the biggest part of our practice is how we find those people with specific swim lanes of wisdom. So they're super customized on every engagement. I love that. That's, that's just that's simple and elegant. That puts a heavy burden on you to um, go find the, the right uh, person of wisdom. That's right. Yeah. That, that's kind of our secret sauce. I mean, people also ask like, well, you know, what do you guys get, get paid to do because I'm very upfront with people like we, we, we tend to not have the solution like I might have had some experience or some of our team on topics but what we get paid to do quite frankly is we know how to help people refine their be what we have we're pretty good at that right pretty direct I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of synthesizing data down to simplicity so we help them find b and then we can figure out what the wisdom gaps are and we've built a proprietary process to go find those people and then the last piece of the puzzle is facilitation i think most companies um and we were really bad at it at my company until we sort of bumped into all this stuff we were not great at meetings um, meetings is a topic that is just overlooked as table stakes and it's actually the thing that we spend the most time on back to my circle of stock. Yeah. So if we do that, wouldn't we want to be really good at meetings? And so the way we facilitate these sex, these um, sessions is pretty bizarre. We've built a, um, a, again, sort of a proprietary flat platform around what we call decision accelerator. We actually use a lot of music. We lose a lot of movement. Um, and we drive decisions in a time frame that just kind of freaks people out. They just never realize that they could make decisions that fast. I love it. So that's, those are the parts that we do. But finding the people. As yeah, you know, Tom, that's the hard part. It's a huge yeah, part. I love that. Though. I've yeah. always, there's two rules to my meetings. Yeah. One is they're, they, they are always the beginning. The purpose of the meeting is stated clearly 
and that's what we're going to cover the purpose-driven meetings the second rule is there must be food i love that rule i'm i'm yeah. i'm all about the food and, so yeah it, it just has to be food so <laughs> that makes it that's yeah awesome. that this is what it is <laughs> uh, all right so tell me about um based on on your offering then you guys it doesn't matter the industry no. it doesn't matter anything because you're going to you're going to discuss with them and with the whiteboard, which I love that approach because if you give somebody a whiteboard, yeah, they're going to tell you exactly what they need. Just oh, yeah. they can't help it. If that space is clear, they've got to fill it up with information. That's right. Yeah. So, so after you do that, then you go find the, the um, right. knowledge experts. Yeah. That's uh, right. So do you have a, um, so industry doesn't matter. What no. about geography? Now we're, we're, we're doing this all over the U.S. Um, we've done some business in Europe. Um, uh, I've got a lot of friends from my former life, uh, executives in Puerto Rico and Canada, so we're starting to branch out there. And then later this year, I mean, the pandemic stuff moved it back a little bit, um, but um, we're going to take the business model to Latin and South America, which... Um, big fan of um, so we've got some really cool stuff already going on in Brazil and Chile and Argentina Mexico um, and I like Latin America it's it's an interesting and we spent a lot of did a lot of work there in my prior life um, it's a great learning culture mm -hmm. uh, the executives there are, are, I find very humble and really want to learn so the we flight tested the model and it really resonates so my hope is you know over the next three or four or five years that will you know still largely be domestic but that we'll get to help some companies you know outside of the US in a bigger way yeah I particularly like that uh, the Latin and Central America is that yeah. you know they're on our own time zones <laughs> that's, you don't that's, have to talk to them in the you know in 2 a.m. in the morning I'm, I'm with you I uh Boy, having uh, my tenure as CEO and um, literally having 24-hour cycles of calls when you throw yeah. Asia in the mix is, if people don't, get back to that, those are pretty hard jobs and people don't understand it, that, you know, um, it's, it's, it adds a whole new element. And the travel as well. I mean, 12-hour, 14-hour time changes on your body with travel is um, is yeah. not easy. So I'm, I'm with you on the, I'm with you on the time zone thing. I like that. A, a good friend of mine, he works uh, for Microsoft, actually. He yeah. was the number six Microsoft employee. Oh, wow. So he's, he's been a while. Yeah. And uh, so he had um, several projects that were 24 seven uh, and they would have technology teams stationed around the world and they would hand off the package. And so 24 hours a day, the project was being worked on, which is amazing. Yeah, stuff. It, is, it is amazing. Absolutely. So you're right. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Sounds super glamorous for people that don't do it. I mean, you know, I traveled probably three, 400,000 miles a year for, you know, 15 years. And it was always funny. My friends that didn't travel like, Oh, you're going here and there. And their vision was, you know, beaches and fun. And I'm like, you understand that a, a Delta airline seat looks and feels the same in Japan as it does here. And the Marriott hotel room was the same. So yeah. It has a bed, it has a bathroom, it has a shower. That's right. Yeah. The conference rooms have chairs and a table and a monitor. Oh, 
hello yeah. uh, you you get it completely in there it's uh, not the international but uh, um for several years i was regional trainer yeah so i was gone all the time oh yeah and that that was entertaining right. uh, as far as the people that i got to interact with but the the travel the airplanes the hotels the restaurants even were pretty well all the same oh yeah 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 very different than the perception no doubt. So how can, how can people, we, you've already identified how people can self-select mm -hmm. as, as, you know, how can they tell just one simple little self-test? Yeah. How can you tell if I'm, uh, if I'm as, as a company, I'm stuck. Yeah. And so what is a, first off, what is a good size for a company to engage you guys? Yeah. Yeah, so we started at the sort of the, the larger end of the market. That's what I knew because that's what I did running a sort of a big company. So mm -hmm. uh, the first two years, most of our clients were, you know, kind of Fortune 500 kind of companies. It's been great. And, and, and for me, it was kind of a personal challenge to see if, you know, little GXG could go, you know, <laughs> with the big guys. And, and it's cool. We've got a great team and we, we did, we've done that. And then I became intrigued, Tom, about two years, a year and a half ago that our model was working so well that it would probably work in mid-tier companies. So we sort of moved down to mid-tier, you know, companies as far down as, you know, 100, 150 million of revenue, um, some family enterprises, which is really good market for us. They tend to be really good um, uh, clients that we can help. And then a year ago, I had this wacky idea of, you know, I've never been a big fan of some of the ways startups and sort of new ventures get help. And when I ran a big company, we did a lot of buying and selling of small companies and technology and stuff. And I always thought the incubator model and sort of the help that's out there was interesting, but kind of like traditional education, it just didn't solve a lot of stuff as in my opinion. And so we took our business model. We actually have a group now that works with startups, some of our own ideas and then mm -hmm. other people's startups. And then what I get really excited about is what I would call, um, we call it GXG Ventures. And these are companies that have been around for usually less than five years, have some revenue, but they're, they're stuck. Yeah. And so we actually use the same business model that we would use with a Fortune 500 company with these ventures and help them get unstuck. And, and of course, the economics are different because they don't, you know, we tend to get our business tends to be a fee-based model. So for, for that end of the market, we converted it instead of giving them equity, which most of them actually don't need. There's a lot of funding out there. What they don't have is wisdom. And so we actually, um, our investment is our advisory board work. And, and then if it works, then we all you know, get some income on the upside. If it doesn't, then, you know, shame on us for, for not executing. And so we've, we've taken on some really fun companies, which I love because if you find the right, and it's, 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 it's a little harder to find the humility factor in the early stage companies I find, but if you find leaders that have a high enough humility quotient, boy, we can help them move really fast because you know, they just don't have that wisdom usually. Got a great product idea, but not the wisdom. Yeah, my favorite segment is the SMB, small, yeah. mid-size. Yeah. Um, and what happens is, is you'll, they'll go into business and they'll be passionate and they'll grow and they'll make great decisions at the beginning because this is what they know. 
but then they'll start adding things like pieces of software, pieces of equipment, because they're best in class, they fit the need for them. But we all know that your business is, is not stagnant. It continues to morph and change. Right. So at some point, those platforms don't talk to each other. That's right. And then that, that's when they really get way deep out of their, their skill sets. And that's when they, that's right. they're yeah. just totally stuck. And I find mo- I think that's right, Tom. And I find most of them get stuck on distribution challenges. Yeah, you know, we built a great idea, and we believe in it. Usually, it's working, and they and they tell it. I don't know why they all tend to get stuck right around a million dollars of revenue. Also, it's kind of a magic number. It's like yep. maybe they can sell that to family and friends, and then they get stuck. And so, what we try to do then is is use our wisdom based methodology to really go deep into the space they're trying to penetrate and find people that have broken the code on the distribution and, and we can help them move really quickly on that. Um, and again, you don't really get that help today. You, you go to these incubators, you know, you get great help maybe with accounting or HR support or, or you have, you know, some retired executives that, you know, know the industry, but they're not going to roll up their sleeves and say, here's how you get distribution. Yeah. Right. And without that, you don't ultimately don't have a company. <laughs> you have an idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love the holistic approach to it. So how long is the normal um, engagement with you? Yeah, so we do. We have two formats we do. We try to keep it super simple. So our advisory boards, we... They vary, but they tend to be three meetings over about five to six months. So we space them out a little bit because there's a lot of work in between the meetings. So if it's a pretty significant stuck issue, we do. We usually get three or four external board members, three or four internal people. We do three sessions over, like I said, five or six months. What we what we've learned is some of the sessions are some of the, the stuck challenges we can sort of help them fix in two meetings. Some we actually do in one. So that's the advisory board offering. And then the other thing that we added two years ago is sort of my version of executive coaching, which I think is sort of another area that's been a bit broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, nothing wrong with it, but because it's all sort of based on the chassis of behavioral psychology, for me, it only solves one part of the leader, right? And that's a really important part. Again, I'm not anti-traditional executive coaching, but in terms of the end, if you picture the individual, just as I described that ecosystem earlier for an organization, leaders get stuck too, right? So if I'm, a, I'm the new CFO of a company and no one's ever taught me to do the three hardest part jobs of the yeah. CFO, how do they learn that? I mean, it's really a problem. And, and executive coaches don't because, again, they don't have any experience. They have knowledge. They're thought leaders and, you know, they have a lot of cool stuff. But so what we brought in a couple of years ago is the, the practical part of learning. And so we go find wise CFOs to teach that person, wise CIOs to teach the, why, you know, you get the idea. I mean, mm-hmm. so anybody that's new to a role or is a successor to a role, then we have this methodology and that uses a six month format. And the cool part about this is it's all done on zoom video. We were doing zoom before it was cool (laughs) because, um, what we do is we go out, if you picture an ecosystem, so if Tom, if you want to be, you know, if you're going to be the next CEO of, um, Apple, then we would just identify your learning gaps and go populate it with about a dozen people that know how to do those specific things. And then we do one hour facilitated Zoom calls. 
and it's a fire hose. It's just so cool to see how much we can learn in a facilitated format. This is not general networking, that we actually have a GXG person on the call facilitating the wisdom transfer, and it's shocking how much you can learn in one hour. Uh, which is the number one feedback we get when we survey our clients. The number one feedback is I had no idea I could learn that much in 55 minutes. I love it. Super fun. I love it. So, so, so often people, things. you know, they shortchange themselves on what they could do. Yeah. And I think, and I think part of the challenge is when we think about and again, people tend to buy into the wisdom idea. I'm like, well, I do a lot of networking. I do, I go, I'm a member of all these groups. I mean, I got to do G100. I mean, I'm familiar with G100, GLG, McKinsey 100, World 50. I mean, there's all these great organizations. Mm -hmm. And again, really interesting places, but here's a news flash. I mean, most leaders are introverts. So if you, if you tell me, here's a room of a hundred executives, go in there and learn for two hours. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to my hotel room and calling my family. I'm not mm -hmm. going in there. Right. And I thought it was just me. And then I started telling this story recently or a year ago. And it's like, everybody's nodding their heads going, I'm not going there either. I'm like, well, that's kind of broken. I mean, you know, yet if I put you on the phone with somebody that I know you need their wisdom and we facilitate it, we prep everybody, we make it yeah. easy for you. And again, that's where when people ask us like, how do you get all these people to do it? I'm like, well, people love sharing their wisdom, right? They don't get asked in the right way. They don't get prepared. We make it hard for them. I love it. But you facilitate it and, and, and it works. So It does. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. I, I know you you've, um, um, have not attended a C-suite event um, with our networking group here in Middle Tennessee, but it's it's really designed for that introvert. Love it because it's invitation only. Love First it. Half hour of the event, grab your coffee, meet new people. Yeah. There's always new people in the room. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's people there to help facilitate that. But then half an hour in, we have everybody assigned to different tables, and there's five or six professionals per table. That's that awesome. way, I, and, and I have it designed to where I don't have competitors sitting at the same table. Yeah. I don't have you know, your best friend sitting there either. These are new people to you. And after a couple of announcements, everybody at that table will have six minutes to share their story. Yeah. Awesome. And get to hear everybody else's story. Then the follow-up is I sent out the list of everybody registered for the event and everybody's divided into small groups of three. Yeah. And those three people go do a Zoom call or an actual real coffee. Love it. Yeah, but see, and you know what the word I would use for that, and this is where I think most organizations, candidly, Tom, miss the boat, is how intentional you are. Okay to help them do that, right? That makes a ton of sense to me. And if you think about it, that's, if you take that scenario and just kind of go to the next step is really our business model. So what, all we do is take that same scenario, take those five people at the table, they each have a bucket of wisdom. Mm -hmm. We would have handpicked the wisdom and in the middle of the table would be point B. And we'd say, okay, three meetings, let's go solve point B for these folks. That's all, same concept. Same concept. Yeah. Right, so tell me more about the unstuck book because yeah, you know, we so, have a uh, we've written a book uh, unstuck I know ten principles yeah and uh, and that story is kind of cool but I want to hear about your book 
Yeah, so um, it comes out um, well, pre-sale next month. We delayed a little bit. It's supposed to be out, but we delayed it with all the, the stuff going on with COVID. So uh, pre-sale start roughly next month, and then later this summer it'll be out. And um, super excited about it. Never, never dreamed of or wanted to write a book, but um, this really came from clients as our work started to materialize and make an impact. Um, we had a number of clients that said, you really should write this down and, and share it with a broader audience. So that's really all it is. It's, it's a simple book, relatively short. It basically, it's two sections. It's, it, it describes my version of stuck and why people get stuck and how to diagnose it. And then the second half is just sort of four simple steps of how to get unstuck. Um, has nothing to do with GXG. I have tried to lay it out where people can literally go use wisdom-based learning on their own. If we can help, that's awesome. Um, but it's really not the, I think it's such an important topic. I just wanted to share it with a broader audience and, um, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really happy the way it came out. We've been very fortunate. We have about 10 of our clients um, that have, 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 have really given us amazing endorsements for the book because they've actually, I wanted it to be people that had used it, not just friends that knew me and, you know, felt sorry for me writing a book. So um, <laughs> these are people that have actually used the process and they were kind enough to give us some nice endorsements. So um, yeah, it's coming out and it's been fun for me. You know, this business, I mean, I'm new to it. I'm, I'm just a corporate guy. So being in the advisory world has been a fun new sort of two dot for me and 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 it's been a great platform i would say with the book coming out to get a chance to speak to to groups and people that are interested in the topic and, and that's been a lot of fun i enjoy that that is awesome i'm proud of you well, that, that's you. good stuff there the the book is is it it, it gives credibility to your words and the fact that you want to for that business owner that 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 has, is not in a position where they could secure yeah. the, the board of knowledge, Yeah. then maybe it could help them get to that point where that's, it is in the revenue. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And that's really what it, what I want to do is, yeah. is, and even when I do the talks, I've been very clear with people that, you know, a lot of this you can go do yourself. And we try to be really transparent to explain how to do it. Some of our secret sauce of how we do it. You know, obviously if you want to get it done and efficiently, we think we have a process that, that can help you do that. We love partnering with people, but you know, I'm at sort of a candidly an agent stage where um, I want to do this because I know it works and I know it helps people. And I sat in the chair and it's hard. And if I have a little something that makes it, you know, that can bring some joy back, to that role and create jobs and help companies then you know, that's what I want to do fantastic well as we as we wrap up the interview yeah. what um, how can people reach out to you and uh, and then also what else do do they need that you want them to know about you yeah I think um, I guess the reaching out is uh, simple my my website is craiglermasters.com. That's where I do all the, the book and, and a lot of my content that we post is there. Uh, the company is gxg.co.co. Um, and again, there we have, a, if, you're, if you get really interested in it, that's where we house a lot of our case studies and, and just really transparent with our, our body of work. Love to connect with people on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Love to interact with people there. Um, and, and I guess the thing, and I kind of just 
just said it, Tom, that I, I just always want people to know is um, I think it's important to understand perspective when you work with people. And, and, and my perspective on all of this, and it, it's not right or wrong, everyone has a perspective. Mine is an operator. I mean, all I've done, my, I've spent 27 years with an amazing company, 11 years as a CEO. And so my perspective is operating and how we get to point B. Uh, I'm not a thought leader on anything, probably maybe a few little things. I don't, I don't, I'm not posing to be, I'm not a professional speaker. I love talking about and helping people with this stuff. Cause my perspective is, is coming at it as an operator to help you get stuck. And again, what I really care about is, is helping leaders make this enjoyable because it's really hard when we're stuck. Gotcha. I love it. All right. So um, we'll take a quick break uh, for sponsors. And then after that, we'll have our networking tip. But sir, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure, Tom. Fun meeting you. You got a great story. I love the work you're doing. Again, you're unique that you, you get our work a lot easier than most. So I really appreciate it. And hopefully when all this clears out, we can have a real cup of coffee together. Uh, I look forward to that day. Absolutely. Fun to stay in touch. Yeah. Our networking tip this week is brought to you by the C-Suite. Join us as we scale Tennessee business. I'm sure you've heard that it's the details, the little things that make the largest difference. Well, it's in relationships as well. So LinkedIn, your networking tip is to like what people say, make comments about it, wish them happy birthday, and also congratulate them on achievements. Introduce them to colleagues. Be invested in their success, and they will be invested in yours. That, my friends, is your networking tip for the week. We hope that you enjoyed our podcast, and we ask you to subscribe and share. Help us to get the word out. We know some amazing people and more people need to meet them. Thanks and have a great day.